two ear pirates, and you are waxing the plank of obscurity. Got it together there, man. <laughs> yeah, this place is a mess. Hang on. Sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh man, oh man, oh man. You know, we you know we're still picking up the pieces here from uh, the last jeez. What am I gonna do with this? Oh, See, it doesn't fit on here anymore, look. See? I can't. It just doesn't work. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Well, need a little ointment or something. No, it's been a, no, no. It's just been yeah. I'm 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 fine, but it's just been it's just been. Uh, I've been picking up for, for a week here after the shenanigans of the of the last episode. If uh, folks have caught that, yeah, show number uh, twenty one, fatefully called Snow Joke, was uh, was quite the experience. Uh, if you have not heard that, I would urge you to do so. This will all make a little more sense if you do. But, uh, yeah, we uh, we had an episode in here, uh, no pun intended. Oh, there's that rapier wit again. <laughs> <laughs> well, you take them where you get them, you know what I mean? Um, we've been following the exploits of our, our little Japanese pocket squirrels here for a while. They have been uh, busy, and uh, we it, it, it came to the attention of the authorities the, we are assuming, federal authorities, and uh, they paid us a visit last time. Turns out our little Japanese pocket squirrels were not, in fact, building a weapon of mass destruction as uh, presupposed. They were, in fact, creating a snow cone machine. And uh, you, you know, I gotta admit, those varmints make a mean blueberry snow cone. Outstanding. Well, yeah, I I have to agree. I I they do indeed. Um, I kind of fond of the banana one. Did you have that? Huh? Hey, maybe they'll uh, start a snow cone franchise or get one of those carts or some crap. Well, I just think we're going to have to keep our eye on them. It's obvious they they have the entrepreneurial spirit, and uh, you know, in in good faith, I want to encourage that. But well, we'll, we'll see. Uh, look at see. Look at this. I don't even know how... Does this thing even... I don't know. So what's going on? A lot of stuff going on, actually. Um, there are some new designs in the uh, Fusebox store. If you have not been to the Fusebox store, we urge you to pay it a visit. can be reached through FuseAudioDesign.com and just click the uh, store link. We have all manner of uh, fuse-boxian um, accoutrement there for your dancing and dining enjoyment. But there's some new designs that our fellow collaborator in chaos, Jeff Pollard, has uh, designed. These are uh, t-shirts that reflect the uh, joy, frivolity, and chaos that was the last show. Some uh, snow cone-related uh, merchandise <laughs> I urge you to check out. And, of course, all designs are always thematically oriented in true show-appropriate configuration. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm kind of digging that one that says, uh, Fusebox, the show for everyone 
But not everyone will like it. It <laughs> <laughs> was ever thus, no? I, uh, yeah, I'm very fond of that one, too. It's got a little, little strange little green head guy up there. It's very funny. Uh, good stuff. So, yeah, check it out. FuseAudioDesign.com, and then you can just click on the store link, and you will be safely and quietly whisked away to uh, the aforementioned locale for a splendid browsing experience. We promise you that. So, um, been watching anything, uh, fun lately? Uh, well, uh, yeah. Actually, uh, I caught that documentary on that, uh, Canadian group, Rush. <laughs> really? I See, I didn't, uh, I didn't have you pegged as the, the prog rocker. Well, I'm not really, but a buddy of mine said to check it out anyway, and, uh, you know... I really liked it. I, I think those guys are really rather down to earth and 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 the the genuine deal. I'm still not a fan of the music that much, but you. Oh, oh, oh. So so Tom Sawyer never gave you the cold chills, huh? Well, uh, maybe, but uh, not in the right way. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Well. Uh... On my plate is something not necessarily musical, but kind of interesting anyway. Um, if I would suggest with this particular program that you give it one or two episodes before either jettisoning the whole idea or, you know, staying with it. It takes a couple to, to get there. It's a very interesting blend of talents here, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> the Wachowskis, uh, filmmakers, and J. Michael Straczynski from Babylon 5 fame, among other things, have uh, kind of collaborated on a series for Netflix called Sense8. And uh, I got to tell you, it's a, it's a fascinating little romp. And here, here's a, here's a, a, to quote Wiki here, a little background on what it is. The uh, synopsis says, Eight strangers around the globe find themselves connected first by a violent vision, then by their shared ability to connect with one another's thoughts and actions, and finally by the urgent need to find out what happened and why. Um, yeah, I guess that's a good encapsulation of it. You're going to realize that a concept like this is not new. It's just the way they do this that is uh, well worth the visit where folks are commingling spirits has been going on for centuries. But let me tell you something. <laughs> the way they commingle the spirits on this particular program is unlike anything you have ever seen. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, because some of the spirits in this thing are already commingled. Seriously, though, I think the editing team in this, in this show, uh, there, there are two folks credited, but I, I presume there's probably a couple of more. But these folks kind of transcend the whole post-production idea. These guys are actual cast members, if you're asking me, because the editing in this thing is brilliant. Um, you're oftentimes dealing with characters who are in d uh, totally disparate parts of the world, and yet they are, at times, sharing the same space, their, each other's space, or a combination thereof, in one scene, where the dialogue remains constant, but the scene and the place that they're in changes. And no, it's not a CG thing. These guys, they've been shooting in eight different countries on this thing. So it's a uh, it's pretty expensive show, I would imagine, to put together just, just from that uh, standpoint. But to watch the rather seamless 
editing of those segments and uh, the performances, the acting, you know, the acting in this stuff is really quite good. I, I think it's, it's you know, d- drop the needle a couple of times, you know, just at least to check it out and uh, see what you think. I, I'm sort of hooked. And I, and I will say this, this is not a program that you're going to want to drop into like, oh, I don't know, episode five. You're never going to figure out what's going on. It's just, it doesn't work like that. So you really kind of have to get it from like one and take the ride. And uh, there's only 12 episodes in it. They all run a little shy of an hour. So, you know, it's uh, it's not a, a big investment, but I don't think you'll be disappointed. I, I found it rather haunting, really. Unlike uh, a lot of folks, I don't binge watch these things. I, I'll, I'll watch one a day or something, but I, uh, I won't over-process. <laughs> I think you might go stark raving mad if you did that with this show. Yeah, I uh, highly recommend it. Sense8 on Netflix. And um, I don't know where they're going to go from here with this ride, but uh, it, it's, it's very pleasant right now. Oh, boy. Sounds dizzying to me. Well, it is at times, but uh, I do think it's worth the Dramamine. You know? Everybody, are you really, really, really cute? Are your parents too lazy to work? Then you might have what it takes to be a child actor. Hi, my name is Jesse Kibble, and my parents made me become an actor. So I'm here to tell you about a really, really, really big opportunity. Fusebox is always looking for new actors. And because they ignore child labor laws, I work 12, 14, or 18 hour days. And you can too. So if that sounds really, really, really fun, then tell your mommy and daddy that you want to be a child actor, just like me. Just send your headshot and fake birth certificate too. Acting, actors, acting. Acting black shacks. (laughs) Okay, sweetie, let's try that one again. Acting, actors, acting. Acting black shacks. Hang hang on a second. That's uh, backslash. Okay, sweetie, backslash. Acting, actors, acting. At acting.action. Action. Acting backslash actor.action.com. Ah, screw it. That's close enough. Kids, be sure to lie about your age. I'm Juicy Kibble, and I'll see you on the radio. (sighs) All right, I think we got it. That's a wrap. Mommy, I'm hungry and tired. Can we please go home? Yes, always looking for the aspiring actor types out there to join the ranks here at Fusebox, where we always... Man, ad- she kind of makes me nervous. <laughs> what? Juicy? She's a doll. What are you talking about? I don't know, man. She's like she's like some kind of tornado or something. She's six. That's what we do when we're six. You do remember, right? Nah. I never was very animated as a kid. I had friends, but wasn't real big on the limelight or any of that stuff. Shocking. (laughs) Why does that not surprise me at all? Well, you know, we can all learn many lessons from the young spirit, Mr. Keynes. Hey, what are you planning? 
You're doing some kind of thing. Nah, 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 nah. Never you mind, sir. Sometimes it's confronting the thing we're most uncomfortable with that sets us free. I, I'm just saying. Hey, you have no idea what I've confronted, buddy. Just saying. More to follow on this later. But for now, if you would be so kind as to roll us into the spotlight, my friend. Uh, here under protest is Q5. Spotlight on Phil. Well, dear friends, on this occasion of uh, Spotlight on Film, or as we lovingly call it, Soth, it is with delight I do a very quick review, and once again, recommendation for a trio of films that have been uh, newly released through the good folks at Shout Factory. The uh, documentary series entitled The Decline of Western Civilization by Penelope Spiris. No, I'm not talking about some stodgy Encyclopedia Britannica film collection. This, dear friends, is a brilliantly conceived peek into what was then uh, the emerging L.A. punk rock scene of the late 1970s and early 1980s. There's probably one, maybe, I don't know, maybe just a handful of films to actually capture the true vibe of that time because uh, this is really a snapshot. Uh, she was there. She was there doing it, participating in it. Not just a retrospective, you know, by someone who wasn't present, but uh, Ms. Spiris was... Uh, not only there, but tied to the community that it spoke to as well, which uh, provides a very candid look into the lives of not only the musicians at that time, but the fans and followers of this movement. What I find really interesting about it, by the way, is a beautiful restoration of this because uh, the elements have, have seen better days over the, over the years. I think it's important to note about this time period that we're talking about, at least in the first film, 1978-79, the, 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 the crossover point, sort of. I know a lot of people talk lovingly about this musical part of history. I thought it was sucky, not the punk movement, but the reason the punk movement happened. You see, in my own personal belief, strictly mine, there was a homogenization of everything, eh, kind of like now, where things were just getting very tamped down and very singular and very one-notey and everything was disco. Sorry, it was. And really what happened is an anger started to kind of build within the populace and it had to find its way out somewhere because all of that distractionary entertainment wasn't really working. It's just too much sugar. And so what was happening was, you know what? We need a little vitriolic uh, behavior now to counteract for this maple syrup that's getting poured all over everything. Hence, musical anger was born again and uh, a, a very valuable time for it. Now, it doesn't matter whether you're a fan of the music or not. I mean, some of it I like, some of it is, I, you know, whatever. doesn't matter. It gave rise to an, a, an enormous musical outpouring there for a while until, <laughs> until once again, the record company stepped back in and, well, there's that again. For a short period of time there, uh, chaos ensued, and uh, cameras were rolling. And what we really get here is a we get some musical performances by uh, some folks that were coming up at the time. Black Flag comes to mind. 
but also we get a look at the culture surrounding this whole movement because it wasn't just the music. It was a whole cultural belief system that was in place and to some extent still exists, but not quite the same way. And I, I think it was also very important to note that in 1980, when she uh, Penelope Spears tried to get this film actually shown in Los Angeles, she found it very difficult to find a screen. Nobody thought there'd be any interest in this musical thing. Who the hell cares, they said. So she managed to find a theater that put it up at midnight that, uh, surprise of surprises, ended up attracting 3,500 people. I'm sure the theater probably sat about 700. <laughs> Something like that, maybe. So what ended up happening was uh, SWAT teams. And not because there was any riot. It's just that they had closed the streets down. This place, it just took off. Nobody knew it was going to do this. And uh, history was born on that night. As a matter of fact, to the extent that this uh, particular event caused the chief, then chief of police of uh, Los Angeles to uh, remark to uh, Miss uh, Spears that uh, this film shall never be shown in Los Angeles again on his watch, uh, basically, is <laughs> what came down. Uh, and I don't really believe there was any riotous behavior. I just think there was a huge turnout, and uh, it was about a film that was incendiary. I guess the fear was, oh, my God, we're going to have a riot, and here comes Watts again, you know, that thing. Well, no, didn't, but it did inspire an entire musical genre there. Yeah, it took off like crazy. Like I said, she made two other films. First one she, of course, did on her own for whatever money she could scrape together to make it happen. The second one, because of the huge impact this first one had done, the second one, which came out in the 80s, had some record company help. And so there, thereby, uh, the film subject was more about the metal bands coming up at that time. And, and we're talking about people like Poison and Kiss and Aerosmith, because these are all L.A.-based uh, musicians. So uh, there's some very candid discussions there with Joe Perry and Steve Tyler. <laughs> very candid. The other thing I noticed that was very funny and humorous and kind of quaint was that everybody was saying they were all cleaned up. <laughs> and we knew that was definitely not the case. <laughs> but, but they were making, you know, good attempts at it. And that probably was record company stuff too. But anyway... Uh, this one was a, eh, a little more glossy, you know, and had a little more of the record company touch to it. She still tried to uh, impart as much metal culture to it as well at the time, you know, as it was at the time, to give it a little more human thing, not just record biz stuff or performances. And it was then that uh, she learned that, you know, this isn't the way she's going to do this. Um, and that was the last one of those films she did for quite quite a while. It wasn't until 1990. Seven, I think that she attempted it again. And uh, that version of the film has never been seen, except in this collection. Uh, the reason being that every time she tried to get this stuff distributed, they wanted the rights to all of them, and they wanted to own them. And she wasn't ready to do that, and uh, rightly so. And so uh, this, was a, this was a really fabulous snapshot, I think, of all three times the... The third one is, is definitely most poignant and certainly the most touching of the, of the three, I think, because it does focus mostly on what's known as the, uh, or was known, as the uh, gutter punk culture at that time, which is pretty sobering. And a very unflinching view of it, very tragic in some ways and uh, very interesting. Thoroughly recommend this. It's a great collection uh, from Shout Factory. 
And I'll have a link in the show notes if you want to take a look at what that's all about. But uh, yeah, all in all, a, a very good experience. And uh, if you're into musical history or not even, just are curious, would not be a time ill spent. Don't be that guy. Hey, what can I get you? I will have a medium tall, short venti, non fat, double shot, skinny, half calf, no calf, sugar free, no foam, double whip, upside down, half sweet, three pump, light water, 2% triple calf, soy vanilla, four wheel drive, neat, easy ice, medium rare, end around, tag up from third, cinnamon caramel drizzle, frappuccino, mocha grande latte. With sprinkles. And my wife will have. And on that note, I think we'll call it a show. Big thanks, again, in order, for the grand auditory performances of Nika Lane and Mr. Atticus Mowry, and to the lovely and talented Milt Keynes at the controls. Who at this very moment is checking cheap flights to Bermuda. <laughs> still, still got that fear of youngins, huh? Well, I'm telling you, aversion therapy is the way to go, buddy. No, I think the way to go is actually Delta. <laughs> Whatever. Thanks to you folks for pushing play on this edition of Fusebox. I have been your host, Mark Rose, and uh, until our next cartoon. Fuse.